Welcome to Walker of Worlds podcast. My name's Rachel and this is the place where we wander behind the veil to take a look at those little known urban legends and spooky stories. This is also the podcast where it's Halloween every day of the week. We're heading to London today. The capital of England has a rich and diverse history, especially, especially when it comes to the supernatural, paranormal and just plain strange. We've played host to Jack the Ripper, spring Jack and the Highgate Vampire, among many other tall and interesting tales. London is a city that has an energy all of its own. Anyone who has lived or visited will attest to that. This energy draws people in from around the globe. No one can deny that London has something about it that just makes people want to be there. They want to soak up all that it has to offer and to maybe discover something new. Our next tale takes us to one of the Magnificent Seven. These seven cemeteries are scattered across London and were built in the 19th century in order to alleviate overcrowding in other smaller cemeteries. Mostly on the outskirts of the city, they include Highgate, Kensal Green and the location of our current story, Brompton. Unlike its sister cemetery of Highgate, Brompton is built on relatively flat land. Opened in 1840, Brompton is adjacent to West Brompton Station on the Fulham Road and is classed as being in the Royal Borough of Kensington and Chelsea. While the cemetery was originally established as a private company, it is now the property of the Crown and maintained and managed by the Royal Parks. Brompton Cemetery has 35,000 monuments, from simple headstones to substantial mausolea which mark more than 205,000 resting places. The site includes large plots for families and common graves where coffins are piled deep into the earth. It also has a secluded garden of remembrance at the northern end for cremated remains. The cemetery continues to be open for burials and is also known as an urban haven for nature. In 2014, it was awarded a National Lottery Grant to carry out essential restoration and to develop a new visitor centre, among other improvements. This restoration work was completed in 2018. Notable burials within the cemetery include suffragette Emmeline Pankhurst, footballer Jack Whitley, writer Geraldine Dewsbury, photojournalist Tim Hetherington and socialite Hannah Courtois. While many of the names within the ground will mean something to someone, Hannah's was pretty much lost to time until a a Reuters report in 1998 made some rather strange claims about her mausoleum. Hannah was born Hannah Peters in 1784. She had three daughters, all out of wedlock, before she inherited John Courtois' wealth in 1815. They never married, yet she always claimed that her daughters were John's. It was while working as a housekeeper in 1800 that friends introduced her to the grumpy and ill John. He took her on as his housekeeper and a relationship formed between them. Within a year she gave birth to her first daughter, Mary Ann. Elizabeth would be born in 1804 and Suzanne in 1807. The father of her children is disputed as John's health was poor, some say due to the trauma of being stabbed by a prostitute. At least one source claims that the father of the children was Francis Grosso, 
the man who'd introduced Hannah to John. While the age difference between Hannah and John and his general grumpiness left her feeling isolated at times, Hannah found herself exploring the fascinating world of Egyptian civilization. Thanks to Napoleon's Egyptian campaign, interest in Egypt and all that she had to offer was renewed during the 19th century. The Victorians immersed themselves in Egyptian-themed parties and bought household goods adorned with Egyptian symbols and images. Parts of Egypt were even gifted to various countries. In 1878, Cleopatra's Needle arrived in London and was erected on the banks of the River Thames. Another similarly named statue was erected in New York. The Victorians were also fascinated with death and had a multitude of rituals surrounding the passing from one life to the next. This also fed into their love of Egypt and the pyramids and became a part of what we see in London's cemeteries today. The beautiful and ornate grave sites that we see in many cemeteries were a product of the age and were not just a display of wealth but also of the beliefs and interests of the era. Death was a big issue in the 19th century with infant mortality high and adults often only living into their early 50s. As John's health declined he made out a will that left most of his fortune to his former wife Mary Ann Woolley and their five children. However, this was amended in 1814 to give Hannah the lion's share of his wealth. When John passed in 1818, his former family did the obvious thing and contested the will. The court battles dragged on until 1827, which, by that point, Hannah and her family had managed to lay their hands on the majority of his money. So what did a newly moneyed woman do while living in the heart of London? She fell deeper into the Egyptomania hole. With the passing of John, Hannah became a regular visitor to the house of Egyptologist Joseph Bonomai. They spent hours discussing the intricacies of Egyptian life, including hieroglyphics, music, art and religion. Hannah finally came to the conclusion that the Egyptians had a far greater knowledge of the universe and its workings. It's not hard to believe that they may have also dwelled upon the idea of time travel. Hannah passed away on the 26th of January 1814 in Belgravia, London. However, her imposing mausoleum wasn't completed for another five years and her body was interred elsewhere until it was time for her to move into her new forever home. So what's so special about Hannah's final resting place? Why did Reuters focus on it back in the late 90s? Well, welcome to the tall tale of the Brompton Time Machine. In the eastern part of Brompton Cemetery is an imposing building that towers over nearby graves. To some, this mausoleum has a passing resemblance to Doctor Who's TARDIS. And if the tales are true, then the interior may be bigger than the structure's exterior. Sat atop a plinth of steps, the square building is, as you'd expect, topped off by a pyramid. It's when you step closer that the detailing on the building becomes even more evident. The heavy bronze door is ringed with hieroglyphics, while a scarab beetle is prominent across the building. The beetle was often seen on the clothing and jewellery of Egyptian royalty and deities and symbolised the never-ending cycle of life and, interestingly, 
the idea of regeneration and rebirth. Along the bottom of the door are seven tiny wheels. At first glance they appear to be vents to allow air to circulate through the mausoleum. Yet people have, people have speculated that they help to power whatever machinery is within the building. At the top of each of the four walls are what appear to be clock dials. These pieces of glass are surrounded by eight holes. Some believe that these circular glass in the faces are crystals to power the time machine, or that the machine harnesses the power of the sun in some way. But the story becomes even stranger. In order to build a cemetery, plans have to be submitted. Brompton Cemetery holds plans for every other mausoleum and monument within its grounds. There are, however, no plans for the Courtoy building and none have ever been found. Neither is there a key, at least not in the possession of the Royal Parks. Local authorities have been reluctant to have a new key created in order to open the door. So how did this tomb reportedly become to have a time machine inside of it? Some speculate that while Joseph Bonamai is most likely to be the designer behind Hannah's final resting place, whatever truly does lie inside is probably the handiwork of Samuel Alfred Warner. Samuel was born in 1793 in East Sussex. At some point in his life, he appears to have worked with a London chemist on some kind of explosive. Like everyone in this story, his tale is on that is one that is lost to time and has only ever been brought to light by the tireless work of researchers whose own interest in the story has been too strong for them to let go of. Warner claimed to have invented two different kinds of torpedoes. One, which he, which he termed an invisible shell, was apparently some kind of underwater explosive which he claimed was no bigger than a duck's egg. The other he called Long Range, which appears to have been some kind of balloon which automatically dropped the invisible shells. He gained a fair bit of attention from the government and he even gave a demonstration before the likes of Sir Robert Peel in which he successfully blew up a boat. However, he refused to hand over any kind of information unless he was paid the sum of £200,000, which in today's money is roughly about £20 million. This was obviously declined and Warner began to weave a new narrative about how he'd served in the Napoleonic Wars and destroyed, destroyed at least two enemy vessels with his inventions. Oddly, Samuel died in mysterious circumstances in early December 1853. Some believe that he was murdered in order to acquire the plans to his inventions. However, he died within months of Hannah's tomb being completed, so there is the story that he didn't die and he simply used her mausoleum to teleport somewhere else. Could the Egyptologist and the inventor have teamed up in order to create something truly not of this world? Had Joseph learned something from years of studying hieroglyphics? Joseph appears to have translated the Egyptian Book of the Dead. So what else did he find during his years of delving deep into Egypt's history? Did he manage to unlock their knowledge of the cosmos? Knowledge that is now believed to have been lost to current civilizations. Interestingly, both Joseph and Samuel are buried close to Hannah's mausoleum.
At the bottom of Joseph's gravestone is a carving of the Egyptian god Anubis, with his face pointing towards Hannah's final resting place. The plinth that he lies on looks suspiciously like the imposing tomb that we can only assume he helped to design. Samuel is buried in an unmarked grave. But this story continues to get interesting. Some believe that Hannah's mausoleum isn't actually a time machine, but more of a teleportation device, which is linked to some kind of London teleportation network. Apparently, this network links to other similar-looking buildings within London cemeteries. So much so that it's been compared to the flu network in Harry Potter. Still more people believe that it, that it is a device for travelling through space and that Hannah and the two daughters that are buried with her, the third married a barrister and decided to be buried elsewhere in the cemetery, have spent nearly 200 years zipping around the universe. There's one final and quite dark note about Hannah's final resting place. Unlike other graves within the cemetery, the mausoleum doesn't rest on a plot of grass nor is it tucked away close to catacombs. Instead, it sits in the centre of two footpaths, a crossroads. Crossroads have long been seen as places of power and magic. Many religions, including voodoo, hoodoo, paganism and Greek and Roman mythology, believe that crossroads are points of great energy and gateways to other realms. Crossroads were also burial points for suicides and criminals up until 1823. They were both regarded as the same crime and therefore the bodies weren't allowed to rest in consecrated ground. Crossroads burials were officially abolished in 1823 and while Hannah's tomb is in a cemetery, it's also resting on a crossroads within the cemetery grounds. Was the placement of the tomb symbolic? Or is there another reason for building it in such a place? Perhaps they didn't want Hannah's soul to find its way home. Or perhaps this was an intersection for whatever transportation network the tomb was linked to. The Reuters story, dated 18th of October, the 10th of October, sorry, 1998, reads, Shrouded by trees in the middle of London's Brompton Cemetery stands a strange, imposing structure carved with elaborate Egyptian-like figures that has been exciting the interest of writers and researchers. The 150-year-old mausoleum is the only one in the cemetery for which no plans can be found. Its occupants are a mysterious trio of spinsters about whom almost nothing is known. Intrigued by the tomb, writer Howard Webster began researching its origins and now believes the 20-foot-tall building was a time machine built by a maverick Victorian genius, Samuel Warner, who also invented the torpedo. Warner is buried in an unmarked grave about 70 feet from his creation, and in another nearby grave lies his likely collaborator, architect and Egyptologist Joseph Bonamai. The trapezoid of dark polished granite is decorated with narrow bands of carved hieroglyphics and has a huge bronze door for which there is no surviving key. It has not been opened for more than 120 years. 60 feet away, Bonamai's gravestone bears similar hieroglyphic carvings, including the Egyptian god of the dead, Anubis, sitting on what appears to be a replica of the mausoleum. 
Webster believes this is a vital clue to the mausoleum secret. The direction Anubis is facing toward the mausoleum suggests in Egypt mythology a soul lost out of time. So what is this strange looking tomb in Bronson Cemetery? Time machine? Teleportation device? Or just the final resting place of a Victorian eccentric? You decide. I do believe that now a key has been found to the door, because obviously that story is 20 odd years old. Um, I believe that the family, the, the remaining family of, of Hannah, do have a key, but obviously, for obvious reasons, have not allowed it to be used to open the door. If anyone has any information on whether there are plans, I could not find any evidence that there are plans for her, her mausoleum. Please do get in touch and let me know. I would be super interested um, to see if there's any other developments on this story. Uh, because this one started popping up in April 2020. Just as the first lockdown happened in the pandemic, a lot of people were obviously suddenly found themselves with time on their hands and they were updating dating their blogs and things like that and so they were they were finding out or resurrecting these really interesting stories which was when I first heard about the Brompton time machine I think it was around April May 2020 and so when I decided that I wanted to do this podcast it was one of the first ones that I wanted to talk about but yes if anyone has any more information any other interesting facts about it knows that there are plans or knows that there is a key please do get in touch i'd be really interested to hear from you and thank you for listening i really appreciate it so brompton cemetery is super easy to get to west brompton station is on the district line and is also served by southern and overground trains brompton cemetery is right next door to the station and is completely flat so it should be accessible to everybody the cemetery itself is open from 7am to 5pm, seven days a week, and the main entrance is on Brompton Road, is on Old Brompton Road next to the station. Uh, obviously, these times and openings and entrances could change due to the current COVID situation, so please do check before visiting. Thank you so much for listening to Walker of Worlds podcast. If you'd like something interesting or unusual to read, please feel free to visit my website at www.roswellpublishing.co.uk. We're also on over on Instagram at Roswell Publishing. The same is it goes the same for Walker of Worlds. We're also on Instagram and Facebook at Walker of Worlds podcast. Thank you again. Thank you so much for listening. And until next time, stay spooky.